Welcome to the March 2nd edition of Global Nashville with Carl Dean. I'm Patrick Ryan, founding president of the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Uh, let me start uh, again with a program note. The next episode of Global Nashville will be on Thursday, March 18th, instead of Tuesday that week. Mayor Dean's guest will be Senator Bob Corker, former chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. They'll be talking about the international challenges facing the United States and the impact of global developments on Tennessee. This evening, former Nashville Mayor Carl Dean will talk about the issue of immigration refugee resettlement, and we'll also talk about the Biden administration's announcement to raise the cap in refugee admissions to the United States from the Trump administration's ceiling of 15,000 to 125,000 a year, and what, what, what that will mean for Tennessee. But to talk about these issues, we're pleased to have with us this evening, Lisa Sherman Nicholas, Executive Director, Tennessee Immigrant and Refugee Rights Coalition, or TURC. She is a Guatemalan American whose family made the difficult decision to leave Guatemala and relocate to Nashville in 2001. She joined Turk in October 2015 and served as policy director for nearly five years before stepping into the role of executive director. We're joined by Isaac James from Memphis. He was born in the Ifo refugee camp in Kenya. Isaac is passionate about creating opportunities to strengthen migrants and refugees integration in their host communities. He currently serves as an education and care coordinator for Refugee Empowerment Program in Memphis, Tennessee, developing an entrepreneurship program for young immigrants. Also with us is Luisa Saratora. She has worked with refugees in Tennessee for nearly 25 years in direct service, program development, coordination and grant management and oversight. She currently serves as the state refugee coordinator with the Tennessee Office for Refugees a Department of Catholic Charities of Tennessee, responsible for the administration of Tennessee's refugee program. You can learn more about our guests and their bios posted to our tnwac.org website. Thank you all for joining us. And now I'll hand over the floor to Mayor Dean. Thank you, Pat, and uh, welcome to all our guests. Uh, we're thrilled to have you here tonight. Uh, this talk about this important subject. Um, Lisa, I want to start with you and talk about Turk. And I guess I should, in terms of uh, disclosure, say that I'm a supporter of Turk. Um, I've been involved in, in some of Turk's efforts, and I think they do great work and important work for our state. So um, I, I acknowledge the, that position on my on my part. Uh, could you just start and tell us what Turk is, how long it's been around, and, and what is your mission? Yes, thank you, Mayor, De Mayor Dean, so much for having this important conversation, for all of your amazing work to ensure that Nashville is a welcoming place for all um, and that immigrants and refugees are included. Um, you know, your tenure as mayor was really transformative for our city and really building a more inclusive city um, where everyone can belong. So we're really grateful for you and your leadership in that. Um, so Turk or the Tennessee Immigrant and Refugee Rights Coalition, was um, started 17 years ago. It came together when some immigrant and refugee serving organizations and advocates um, came together to actually pass a driver's license law for undocumented folks here in Tennessee. And they were really successful. Um, it was of course later on overturned um, in uh, subsequent years, but they realized their collective power in coming together and advocating for systems change to better serve immigrants and refugees. And so Turk has grown from there, from a staff of one to a staff of 21. 
Um, and we work really to build the next generation of immigrant and refugee leaders here in Tennessee to empower them um, to fight for communities where everyone can belong. And we also work with receiving communities um, to help them understand why it's so important to build these welcoming communities for everyone. And Turk has a significant presence in Nashville and you're, you're located here in Nashville, but it is a statewide organization. Yes, um, we are statewide. Yeah. That's right. We are statewide. We serve immigrants and refugees all across the states. About 330,000 Tennesseans are foreign born. What one, one thing people don't realize is Tennessee actually has one of the fastest growing immigrant populations in the country. So while our population is still relatively low, immigrants and refugees are increasingly moving here um, and putting down roots and raising their families here. And what um, you have recently, or you've been in the process of building a, a building. You, I think Turk has been um, at Casa Asafran and, and now you're building the building. Tell the, our, our listeners about that, our viewers. Yes, absolutely. And thanks so much for you and your support of our capital campaign. We are about to um, move into our new office any day now, um, hopefully next week. Um, it is located in Antioch, really at the heart of Nashville's immigrant and refugee community. And it was really our dream um, to be able to have our own home, a community center where immigrants and refugees um, could come and organize, um, receive leadership training, um, where we could provide our services and really where we could build um, a powerful movement that would reach all across the state. And we have a soccer field, a playground and community gardens and the Eloisa Salazar Event Center, um, which is gonna be an earned revenue space that we're really excited about to sustain our movement um, in the years to come. And that um, space, the, the earned revenue area, the community sort of space, um, that was largely paid for through a contribution from uh, Mike Kerb. And yes, we're so grateful for his support and the support of so many who've really made this dream um, possible for us. And the name comes from his family. Yes, that's right. His grandmother um, who came from Mexico. And so we're just delighted um, to be able to honor those roots um, and to be able to pay um, homage to his grandmother who really, you know, braved um, braved uh, the times to come and, and move to the U.S. and raise her family, just like so many do today. Yeah, and I, I certainly just want to say how much I appreciate Mike and his, he's been in the right place on, on this, this issue for a long time. Um, yes. Can you, um, what's the difference between it's immigration, refugees, what's refugees, immigrants, what's the difference? Yeah, well, we'll talk about refugees today since that is the main topic. Um, so one of the things folks often don't realize is that refugees are people who are unable or unwilling to return to their home country because of a well-founded fear of persecution due to their religion, their race, their ethnicity. Um, and so refugee status is actually a legal status that's defined by the UN, the UNHCR. Um, and the US government. And so refugees are able to enter the country um, through the refugee resettlement process um, and get on a pathway to citizenship. Um, and then immigration more broadly, I would say, you know, the, the definition of refugee is something um, that is defined by governments and, and attorneys, um, but has been argued more recently to be expanded to include refugees who from Central America 
um, where I'm from who are fleeing gang violence and persecution um, and, and other kinds of violence in that part of the world, um, but are often unable to enter the refugee resettlement program. And so you came here from um, Guatemala and because of threats of violence and fear of, of personal safety for yourself and your family. Mm -hmm. and, and so refugees, when they're allowed into the country or they're here, what law governs that process? Is it federal law, state law? Yeah, it's federal law. So the refugee status is part of the um, refugee convention, which is enshrined in federal law. And there's also international law that applies to refugee resettlement. But it's really because our federal government since World War II recognized um, the power and the responsibility to welcoming people who were fleeing uh, persecution and violence. And so it's really a recognition of our highest aspirations as a country and the values that we want to strive for, that we're a beacon of hope for people. Right. The whole idea of the, the Statue of Liberty and what, and what it stands for. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so when um, what has happened um, in the last four or five years in terms of refugees being allowed to come to the United States and specifically to Tennessee? Yeah, the last four years have been incredibly devastating um, for the resettlement program. And I'm happy for Louisa to jump in and share a little bit from her perspective as the office that has been resettling refugees. Um, but, you know, the numbers have decreased um, steadily over the past few years. The president gets to set in consultation with Congress the number of refugees we welcome. And traditionally, we've strived to welcome more than 100,000 refugees per fiscal year. Um, but the previous administration decreased that number um, to the lowest in the history of our country, which was 15,000 refugees this last, um, this last session. And so that's had really detrimental consequences, both for refugee families who are waiting that's to be reunited. For the entire country? For the entire country, that's right. And so how many, is there a pro rata divvying that up amongst 50 states or how many of that 15,000 would be coming to Tennessee? Yeah, so um, Luisa, do you want to answer this one? Give you a chance to chime in. Um, yeah, I, I um, so those numbers are a, a little bit in flux, but I can tell you that last year with a ceiling of 18,000, Tennessee saw 225 arrivals. So 225 political through the whole, through the whole state. Yeah. yeah, so you know, 2016, we were seeing over 2,000 um, and then last year, um, just 225 across the state. And so. and so what, how do refugees get to Nashville? Are there organizations that you've been involved with or are involved with now who actually help on resettlement and help have refugees settle here? Yeah, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, so, um, and Isaac, I'm sure can, can chime in as well, but yes, there are, um, there are two main funders for refugee services, um, federal funders. Um, the State Department uh, funds that initial resettlement program. So when we think about folks arriving at the airport and moving into their new apartments and uh, finding their first job, um, that is that initial resettlement program, um, national voluntary agencies um, with local affiliates like Catholic Charities or uh, World Relief Memphis or um, Bridge in East Tennessee or NICE in Nashville are doing those initial resettlement services. And then uh, the Office of Refugee Resettlement, which is a Department of Health and Human Services at the federal level, 
funds a lot of the ongoing uh, integration services, um, medical care, temporary cash and medical benefits, employment services, case management, other kinds of supportive services. Um, so our work is the, is the state administration of those ORR funds, but we partner very closely with the resettlement agencies because um, that is the, um, the, uh, the connection point for, for refugees coming into, into our state. And so we work very closely with them to make sure that um, refugees are receiving the services that they uh, need and that they are entitled to and that they're welcomed by um, refugee communities as well as, um, as mainstream uh, neighbors. Um, so when a refugee arrives in Tennessee, Nashville, um, there, there is support. I mean, there's governmental support and nonprofit support uh, that works uh, with government funds to help people settle. I mean, because these are folks who are essentially, um, when they go through the process, are say, you can come here. You're welcome here. We, we invite right. you here. Um, but right. that number has, was over the past administration was lowered and lowered and lowered. And how has that affected the agencies here, Catholic Charities and um, National World uh, Relief that work with uh, refugee resettlement? Yeah, it was incredibly devastating. We actually had to close um, World Relief's office here in Nashville as a result of the drastic cuts in the refugee resettlement program. And that organization had decades of resettlement settling um, refugees in our city. And so it was really devastating, not only for those folks who lost their employment, but for refugees who lost that connection to the organization that had helped them um, find the services and support that they needed. And so as we think about rebuilding the program and increasing our numbers, you know, we've lost so much institutional knowledge and experience um, that we're gonna, it's gonna take some time to rebuild um, and is really critically important to ensuring the successful resettlement of refugees. Yeah. Isaac, uh, how are things in West Tennessee? How's, how's Memphis? Hi, uh, Mayor Dean, thank you again for the opportunity to be a part of this conversation. Uh, as uh, Mr. Ryan said, I was born in Eiffel refugee camp, and so refugee resettlement has literally give my, given me and my family a new chance at life. Um, here in Memphis, Tennessee, I work with Refugee Empowerment Program, which is a nonprofit organization that seeks to help refugees integrate into um, West Tennessee, into Memphis. So the conversation you just had about the impact that lower numbers have on resettlement agencies, um, when that happens, nonprofits such as Refugee Empowerment Program that don't do resettlement have more refugees to take care of. And so the importance of the Refugee Resettlement Program and funding these resettlement agencies is so nonprofits and uh, organizations like World Relief can have the resources needed to provide for the vast majority of refugees rather than having to have the weight of uh, numerous refugees on just one organization, it's better if resources are expanded throughout various organizations to help with integration. Is there, um, for Nashville, for Memphis, Tennessee as a whole, are there particular countries or areas of the world that are most represented in our um, refugees who are, who are settled here? Right, so speaking for the refugee Empowerment program, a lot of our refugees come from East Africa. So we have refugees from uh, Burundi, from Rwanda, um, Somalia. Um, and so we have over the years tend to see uh, more refugees coming from East African countries uh, in Memphis than, than other parts. Okay. How about Nashville? 
Yeah, we've seen, um, so over the past 10 years, uh, some of our largest refugee populations have come from Burma, um, Bhutan, Iraq, uh, Somalia, um, in some recent years with some of the executive orders that have restricted travel from some of those places, we've seen some of those numbers fluctuate. And then with Burma and Bhutan, those were refugee populations that had lived in camps for long periods of time. And so those programs are um, starting to uh, wrap up with, with folks that are eligible to come. Um, the most, uh, the largest population in the last four or five years has been from the Democratic Republic of Congo, like um, Isaac mentioned with East Africa and Central Africa. Um, as well as we're seeing uh, a significant number of folks that come through a program called uh, Special Immigrant Visa Program. And these are folks from Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, we've seen larger numbers of Afghanis recently who have um, supported our US military or military contractors in conflict zones overseas. And so they are in danger for that uh, relationship with um, our military forces. And so that's another population that we've seen um, locally. Has there been um... Does Turk have an involvement with working with the legislature or lobbying? Um, and what's the status of the sort of the of Tennessee politically with welcoming refugees? Yeah, so, you know, we as a state have a really long and proud history of welcoming refugees since the 1960s when Catholic Charities first started resettling Cuban political refugees. Um, but unfortunately, since 2011, our state legislature has really um, gone after the program and refugees um, and you know, tried to pass numerous, numerous bills um, to really limit refugee resettlement here and limit um, the ability of organizations and governments to provide the services that refugees need um, to be successful. Um, we've you know, luckily been able to defeat most of those efforts um, and most recently, the Supreme Court um, issued some, uh, not exactly rulings, but rejected um, the Tennessee legislature's efforts to sue the federal government over refugee resettlement. Um, so we were thrilled about that decision. It was rejected four or five times by different courts. Um, and most recently, um, an anti-refugee bill that was introduced this session was withdrawn by the sponsor um, and, you know, Governor Lee, um, we worked with him to ensure that he continued to welcome refugees um, when President Trump issued an executive order that was going to require states and localities to consent to refugee resettlement, which wasn't a normal part of the process and was really aimed at trying to get states and counties um, to reject refugees in order to try and um, curb refugee resettlement in the United States. So. Um, anything going on right now at the legislature that um, our viewers should be aware of? So this year, you know, I firmly believe, thanks in large part to our efforts to hold the line and uh, beat back really harmful bills, there are not that many anti-immigrant or anti-refugee bills this year. The same anti-refugee bill that was originally introduced this session, we've seen over the last two or three years, and we've successfully um, made sure that it didn't become law. So this year, the sponsor withdrew the bill. Um, and you know, I give credit to all of us who've been fighting back and making it very difficult to pass these kinds of bills that are really aimed at making Tennessee an unwelcoming place for refugees. Now, how does um, COVID, the worldwide pandemic, um, 
affect the refugee numbers or and also affect what's going to happen going forward from from here. Mm -hmm. Lisa, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, um, it has definitely impacted um, travel, uh, definitely impacted impacted travel over this past year and continues to to some extent. Um, but I think the greatest place where it is impacting is in um, processing, just as a lot of us are teleworking, um, we're not working in buildings, um, an awful lot of the processing overseas, um, it's intensive um, vetting and screening and interviews, and a huge part of that process, nearly all of it really yeah, happens in person. Um, those data systems where we're um, verifying folks' background checks and doing all of those kinds of screening processes, largely for security reasons, are not accessible remotely. And so um, a, a component of the screening process is interviews with USCIS. Um, they have been out of the field for over a year and don't anticipate going back into the field to do um, new interviews until summer, probably. So um, folks are, are doing what they can. They're, they're um, instituting some pre-screening, some pilot remote screening um, processes, but um, that's probably the biggest place right now in terms of looking at growing the program um, where it's gonna take some time to catch up. Okay. And so on a good news note, um, what has President Biden done um, in terms of refugee numbers? Yeah, so we're just thrilled. Um, President Biden has raised the refugee ceiling to 125,000 for the next fiscal year, um, which is really going to be incredible for all the refugee families who've been waiting to be reunited with their husbands, their family members, their aunts, their wives, um, brothers and sisters. Um, but also his most recent executive order also included many provisions that refugee resettlement advocates have been calling for that bring more humanity and dignity into the resettlement process as a whole. Um, and really, you know, it's been amazing to see and hear um, the, the new administration championing refugee resettlement and um, calling us all in to aspire to living up to the values that we aspire to. Um, so we're just thrilled about being able to welcome refugees again to Tennessee. So what, um, this is for anybody, any, any, uh, any one of you, if you are talking to a citizen, a fellow citizen or a legislator or anyone who says, you know, we don't need any more refugees or we don't need to increase the number, um, what's, your, what's, your, what's your argument, what's your response to say, wait a minute, Think about this. What, what do you say? Isaac, do you want to take that one? Yeah, I'll add something that I would say, um, just look at the impact that refugees are having in their communities. Um, refugees bring diversity, um, they bring entrepreneurship, um, they bring a sense of sort of appreciation of uh, the differences that we have. And I think America is a place where we all recognize our differences and are able to celebrate that. Um, also, refugees give back to their own communities. Um, so me and my family send remittances back home, which help the local economy in, uh, in Uganda. And so refugees have both an impact in their host communities, but also um, back home as well. 
So refugees, uh, just to wrap up, refugees are individuals that really care about being integrated in America, that really try their best to communicate with different communities, but also um, bring their, their intellect, their drive to make their new environments the best, po the best possible. Um, and with the new resources and information they, gave, they gained in America, they always seek to return that back home and empower those uh, in refugee camps back home, but also in their own countries as well. Anybody, Lisa, Louisa, you want to add anything to that excellent response? I don't really want to follow Isaac's response there. I mean, I can, um, I second everything um, that he's saying. I mean, certainly, I, I think too, um, it's not just what um, refugees bring to us, but an opportunity, like Lisa's been saying as well, of, for us to um, to live out some of our um, most um, uh, important um, heartfelt values. You know, we are able to welcome folks into our communities. We get to be neighbors. We get to be friends. We get to be uh, teachers and um, co-workers. And um, that that's an opportunity for us as well, that um, we are fortunate that folks that are different than us um, allow us to be a part of their worlds in that way and to, and to share um, in a different culture. Yeah, and it's important, I think, to remember, let's look at historically, that um, we have always been a country that has welcomed refugees as part of who we are. But you look at periods of time where we haven't, and we tend to look back at those times with regret um, and say, we could have done better, we're not living up to our, to our values. Also, I mean, just to dif differentiate again on, on some of the immigration if issues versus refugees, you're talking about 110,000 people nationwide. This is a number that um, we easily can absorb. And these are folks who come here where there is a plan. There are organizations that are government funded and some privately funded that um, are there to provide support and, 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 to, and to help. So it's, it's something that works smoothly. It's, I think is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think we have um, one of the best infrastructures for refugee resettlement in the world and up until the last four years had been leading the world and welcoming refugees. I think the other thing people don't realize is there's almost 30 million refugees worldwide and less than 1% of those actually get resettled um, to a country like the United States. And so there's a great need in the world and there's an opportunity, like Luisa said, to welcome folks um, and give them a second chance at life um, and help them raise their families and um, contribute to our communities and, and be part of what makes us so strong and vibrant and diverse. And that's something that you recognize in your administration that we're so grateful is that diversity really does make us stronger. Well, I mean, the fact is these are hardworking people who are looking out for their families. They're resilient, they're resourceful, um, and they contribute in so many ways to making um, our, our country, our states, our cities better. Um, we have a very, I think a good question, very, very specific. Um, who makes the decision on where to place new refugees and how is this decision made? This is from Michael to anyone on the panel. Louisa? Sure, um, that's a great question. Um, 
One component is absolutely um, family or friends in the United States. Um, everyone wants refugees to be successful and we are most successful when we have support um, from folks uh, that we know. And so that's always a component of interviewing overseas. Um, and then each of those national voluntary agencies and the local affiliates annually do a very comprehensive um, assessment of um, their strengths, um, community capacity, um, resources available, other refugee communities that live there, um, so that folks can be resettled in places in which their needs will be met by the receiving community. So folks that don't have family or friends um, will be placed um, in uh, a community that's able to respond to, to their particular needs. And um, a question from uh, Corinne, what are the biggest funding needs as we look to ramp up the state resettlement program as the numbers have gone up? Lisa, I'll let you speak to that for the um, agencies, but I would say, you know, from Turk and our perspective, one of the things that's going to be really vitally important is that we're building support to welcome refugees. We can't take for granted that people are um, that the people are as excited as we are to welcome refugees. And so it's gonna be incredibly important that we are doing the long-term hard time-consuming work of changing hearts and minds. Um, and Turk's gonna be doing that through a new innovative thing called deep canvassing, where we actually go door to door and talk to people about refugees and try and reduce prejudice that way um, that we're really excited about. And also by um, ensuring that people are hearing the positive stories of refugees and that we're giving them a different narrative than what some um, local uh, politicians might be giving them about the fear um, and, and that kind of thing. It's gonna be really important that we build, that, build up that public support. Good. Uh, Pat, do you have any other questions online there that you wanna? Well, Carl, um, I think we had uh, a, a lot of good questions. We also have some good comments. Uh, Jackie uh, mentions that uh, refugees also take very little resources from the community. By definition, they provide for their own families. Uh, they're hardworking, resilient, resourceful, and uh, that's the best uh, description she has. Uh, we also have some comments thanking you uh, for your work in uh, the office of the mayor, the new American Advisory Council, and the My City Academy. So, uh, uh, tip of the hat to you on on that, um, Jim Polk asks, uh, how, how can we make clear to the public in the face of uh, cruel uh, attacks that have been made against uh, the prospects for refugees? Uh, are there public education efforts, either locally or nationally, anything that, um, that can be uh, amplified? Lisa, do you wanna take that or? Public education efforts on refugee resettlement? Well, on, on the, to try to uh, lessen the, uh, the backlash against refugees. Yeah, so we're about to embark on a statewide, um, really exciting uh, deep canvassing effort where we'll be contacting hundreds of voters um, and engaging in conversation with them um, for 20 minutes or more um, in an effort to reduce their prejudice based on the um, values of compassion and empathy. And this has been a really effective tactic that's been used um, by, you know, to, to win marriage equality, to win, to win um, 
transgender rights in other parts of the country. And so we're really excited. We'll be the first in the country to apply this specifically to refugees. And we're really excited about that. Uh, Luisa, a question from uh, Greg. He asks uh, you, can you step back a bit and explain how the Tennessee Office for Refugees is structured and further explain the historic and current involvement of Catholic charities in resettlement? And where does the funding come from? Sure. Um, we, in most states, um, it is a state office that is responsible for the administration of the, of the refugee program. Um, that was true in Tennessee until about 2007 when um, it was uh, administered by the State Department of Human Services. At that time, the state decided to withdraw from the program, um, not because they didn't want Tennessee to participate in resettling refugees, but because the scope of what this, of the state's work was so broad that they really felt like the refugee program would be in, um, they wanted to be in the hands of folks that could really devote their entire energies to refugee programs. Um, and so the Office of Refugee Resettlement, that's a Department of Health and Human Services at the federal office, um, selected Catholic Charities to serve in that role. There's about 15 states uh, nationally in which a nonprofit serves as that statewide administrator. Um, and at that time, Catholic Charities formed a separate department um, that's responsible for the administration. So we do have a direct services um, program that does refugee resettlement itself, um, but the, we also have an administrative office that is separate that um, subcontracts with agencies like World Relief in Memphis, like um, Bridge in East Tennessee, like um, the Tennessee Language Center for English Language Instruction, medical clinics across the state to do refugee medical screenings. So the funding comes from the federal government to us and we subcontract with local providers. Good. Um, I should read, we have a comment from Jackie Schrago. Um, As our refugee organizations have gotten reduced in size over the last year, over the, over the years, more have not gotten healthcare as quickly as they should, refugees. Please note that they should come to Lentz Public Health Center, Metro Center. Also, they could call 615-310-3285 to get health insurance. They are immediately eligible upon arrival. So, thank you, Jackie, for, for that. Well, I think this is a good point for us to, um, our time is up. So to say um, thank you to a, a wonderful panel who do wonderful work and that we appreciate what you do and, and know that, um, you know, we're proud that you're, you're doing it and, and, and wish you uh, great success. Um, Pat, do you have anything to add? Well, you know, uh, Carl, we looking at uh, beyond Tennessee at the global situation, as Lisa mentioned, there are some 26 million refugees in the world, and that's out of a population of about 80 million displaced persons around the world. Uh, and if you look at the, uh, the migrant uh, inflow into places like Europe, Germany with a population of 83 million has taken in a million uh, refugees, uh, mostly from uh, the Middle East, Afghanistan, Northern uh, Northern Africa, uh, so it, I, I don't think it's a bipartisan. I don't think it's a partisan issue uh, to look as uh, at this as a humanitarian question. That the United States has a, a responsibility to do its share to handle uh, those those among us on the planet who are in unfortunate situations. So my hats off to uh, Lisa, uh, Louisa, uh, Isaac uh, for the work they're doing and and everyone else who's involved in refugee resettlement and a, a hat tip to uh, the new administration for recognizing America's responsibilities.
and congratulations on the building. Um, maybe we should do a program where we could interview somebody out there and we can have that in the background and that'd be a, a, good, a good show. That would be amazing. Yeah. So again, thank you. And thank you to all the uh, viewers and people who participated. Uh, Pat, Senator Corker will be with us on Thursday, the the 18th of uh, March, right around the corner, uh, the next edition of uh, Global Nashville. Uh, it should be a terrific conversation. He's got uh, lots to share on what's going on in the world. Looking forward to uh, the challenges for the new administration and also talking about how what's going on in the world impacts Tennessee and Tennesseans. Right. Okay. Well, thank you all. And thanks to everybody who uh, watched tonight. And um, we'll see you later. Everybody Thank have a good evening. Thank you. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye.